Welcome to it, the Just Baseball Show. It's Casual Friday. We have Jack smiling like an idiot. We have Aram with his casual grin. Happy to be here, and I'm Peter Apple. Last Friday, Jack brought eight hypothetical questions for the 2023 MLB season. Now it's my turn. And then next Friday, we have Aram. Then we have World Baseball Classic content. Then we have Top Tens. It's going to be loaded here for the next couple of months until April 1st, or actually March 30th when it's opening day. Gentlemen, welcome. Jack, I want to go to you first because you were just at the national championship. How was it, my friend? Yeah, so it was great. And you asked me before we hit the record button, and I was like, there's a lot to unpack here, but I can do it pretty quickly. Because when I say the national championship was great, you can say, come on, like bullshit, Jack. It was 65 to 7. Like, get your head out of your ass. And I say... No, it would have sucked if it was like 38 to seven. But if I'm going to go see a murder, I want to see a murder. I want to see the biggest bowl loss ever, like in a bowl game. It happened in the national championship game. That was the greatest margin of victory in bowl game history. And I was there for that, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that, Ar- Arm, that's I, couldn't, why... I couldn't disagree with him more. Like, I would hate to go watch that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's why Ted Bundy, saw. Ted Bundy got a documentary. These one off killers, they don't get docs. Right. So you got to see the absolute you, you wanted to make the murder uh, analogy there. You got to see the worst kind. But no, I, I, I kind of disagree, too. Um, I'm going to try to ruin your experience after it already happened here. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. Personally, I, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm so glad I didn't travel across the country. To, no, honestly, it looked really cool. It, I, that's a bucket list place to go. Yeah. So if I, that, that in itself is almost worth the trip. Yeah. You talk about pageantry and all that stuff. That must have been really cool. And guess what? You get to say you watch one of the best college football teams of all time, probably, and one of the biggest beatdowns in the history of, of the national championship. If you're, if you're going to see something historic, let it let it be, you know, all-time beatdown type of thing. Well, and um, what was yeah, oh, no, go ahead, Jack. No, I mean, what was great was like I was at the game in Indy last year, too, because, hey, it's a five minute walk from my apartment. Let's go to the game in Indy. And SoFi was a spaceship. You're right. SoFi was just so cool. Obviously, they got flack for, um, you know, some of the the hazards like that place is just not built for the rain. But L.A. is not built for the rain. They don't have storm yeah. drains or anything like that. But, um, you know, I was at both Georgia wins. That's the first team to go back to back. That is 2011, 2012. And Kirby Smart, like, I think um, David Pollack said it right next to Saban, and apparently people had issues with it. He said Georgia is currently the class of college football. They fucking are. They're back-to-back national champs. And I think think Kirby Smart is the best coach in college football right now. Nice. Arm, settle an argument between Jack and I that we were having. Stetson Bennett is going to get drafted by somebody. Maybe a sixth round. I think he's – Maybe a free agent. But are you telling me that no NFL team gives that dude a shot? I, I with Tebow got a shot, like bullshit quarterbacks have gotten shots. He's going to get a shot, Jack. No, here's what I said. I said Tebow was a first round pick. And then I texted Peter. He asked me, like, 
after we recorded, he was like, come on, like I have to oh, yeah. be right about Stetson. Who's Bennett. Tebow? Is that the the guy that the outfielder that played for the Syracuse Mets? For yes. the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I said if Stetson Bennett throws a pass in a regular season NFL game, you get to punch me in the face. And then oh, I I'm said, sorry. why is Arm and why are Arm and Jack putting their bodies on the line for things that could happen? <laughs> Cal Quantra could have an ERA with the low three five. Stetson Bennett could throw one, one pass. pass. Like, one pass. If, yeah, like Stetson Bennett could throw for 10 touchdowns in a season with 17 interceptions and then be out of the league. Like Johnny Manziel, are we kidding me? So I so I said to Jack, like, I don't want to punch you in the face. It seems kind of a too easy of a thing to happen, right? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put my face on the line on that one. There's some bums that have gotten some opportunities. You might get a seventh round opportunity here. You don't know. That's what I'm saying. All right. You don't know. Just baseball show. Just baseball show. I have eight hypotheticals and Jack kind of left it open ended, which was fun. It had Arm and I going back and forth. But I geared these questions toward an individual to hear them first. It's not to say that, oh, I only want to hear their opinion. I just want to see how then the other person reacts and then we'll go around the horn. So again, eight hypotheticals for the 2023 MLB season. First one, and this one is for Arm Layton. The league, Major League Baseball in 2022, put up a 243, 312, 395 slash line to give them a 100 WRC plus because the league average. But that is a 707 OPS. There was three players last year that put up a 706 to 708 OPS, like right in between there, among all qualified hitters. So who do you think will have the highest OPS next year? MJ Melendez, Haseong Kim, or Elvis Andrews? <laughs> Those wow. are the three guys. Oh, God. MJ Melendez, Elvis Andrews, and who was the other one? Haseong Kim. Kim. And just a reminder, these guys don't know the questions beforehand. So this is first initial reaction. They didn't have time to plan and they don't know who I'm going to ask first. So now Jack, he has the ability to go tap on his little iPad and look up. Ooh, I'm looking at stats. Well, Aram is, I'm throwing him straight into the fire. Okay. MJ, so I'm, I'm going to eliminate Elvis Andrews immediately. Um, uh, I, I think he, he, I think he should be the starting shortstop for the Red Sox. We talked about this, but I, I don't think he's, he's, Topping that, he might get around 690, 700. I look at MJ Melendez, I'll get Hassan Kim. Those are two guys that I'm expecting to actually take a leap next year. MJ is a guy who I really like as a prospect, liked as a prospect, had a fine rookie year, and I think he's going to build on that. Kim had a really good offensive season for his standards, and I think finished really strong and, and is heading in a direction where I think he could put up an even better year. I'm going to say MJ Melendez because I, you know, I, I really think he's going to build off of what he did last year. This guy's got 30 home run power. Um, I don't, I don't know if they're going to throw him around the diamond and make him worry about playing all these different positions as much. I hope that they kind of just let him settle in between catcher and DH, maybe the occasional, you know, outfield cameo. Uh, but I think MJ is going to put it together. He's just too talented. Um, and, and I don't think him's going to be far off though. I think both those guys are over 710 OPS, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, MJ. Jack. Not only does MJ walk more than Kim, but MJ's got more juice in the tank than Hassan yeah. Kim. And we talk OPS, that's literally on base percentage plus slugging percentage. And I think that uh-huh. Melendez, yeah, right. That was kind of groundbreaking. But I do think that MJ is 
a, a better on base guy. Like I think that Hassan Kim is going to hit 30 to 40 points better than MJ mm-hmm. Melendez this year in the batting average department. But I think that they're going to have very comparable OBPs. And on the power side, I lean heavily towards MJ Melendez because, again, this is the minor league home run king from 2021. And what, like 120 games, he had 18 bombs. I think he sees 25 bombs this year. And Hassan Kim, I just don't think that he's a 25 homer guy. So what I will say is the difference, Hassan Kim, 325 OBP versus MJ was like 313. But then MJ had the higher slugging percentage. And I agree with you both. I think that... MJ has much more juice in the tank. He could be a 430 slug guy easily. Like he could easily bump that up. Well, Haseon Kim, I don't know how much he's going to improve. I think he's going to improve marginally over the next couple of years, but I think that's what he is. Like at his peak, is he a 730 OPS guy? Well, MJ Melendez at his peak, if he reaches the home run potential, he could be close to 800, right, Arm? Yeah, no, he'd be eight something. You know, with the ability to walk, with the power he has, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. We've had this conversation before, like F war guys versus WRC plus guys, like guys that are so valuable with the bat versus guys that are very well rounded. And I think that while MJ Melendez may be a better bat, like a better WRC plus guy, with what Hassan Kim does in so many different spots defensively, he's the F war guy. So if it was a war versus WRC plus type thing, I'd say Kim better war. Melendez better WRC plus, yep. but with the question being OPS, I lean Melendez. Yep. There we go. The answer, MJ Melendez of the Kansas City Royals defeats Haseon Kim of the San Diego Padres in the battle of average. For now. <laughs> in the battle of average. And Elvis Andrews, you have yeah. uh, the, uh, I was going to say. Um, He's going to have what? a 950 OPS for the Boston Red Sox this year. Elvis Andrews. <laughs> I hope. I like Jack. Andrews. Jack, next question. Yeah. Who will have the lower ERA in 2023? Yeah. Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. Adam Wainwright or Jamison Tyone. <laughs> so Noah uh, Syndergaard put up a 3.94 last year. Wainwright was around 3.71. Tyone was around the 3.9 range. Who puts up the better ERA in 2023? Yeah, and this is not me sipping the LA Dodger Kool-Aid right oh, now. Lazy answer. I mean, dude. Jamison Tyone is pitching on a summer afternoon at Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. It's going to be tough. I mean, you want to talk about murder. Like, that might be murder here. Um, And then you've got Wayno. I don't know. I mean, Wayno's like fucking 55 years old. <laughs> we we got to acknowledge that at some point. Yes, I'm just another doubter that Wayno can print out a receipt on. Um, But I think at some point, 88 to 89 is going to get wrecked. And, and Syndergaard, yes, he's not. Thor, he's not 99 to 101, but he is 91 to 92. And the difference between 92 and 88 to 89 is a lot. Like that 90 mile an hour threshold is a lot. And I think that Syndergaard, yes, can obviously tap into something with the Dodger, with Mark Pryor, who's the Dodger pitching coach. And, um, you know, the, the tech and the resources that the Dodgers have available for Noah Syndergaard. I also think that those eight or nine years that Syndergaard has on Adam Wainwright are vital. And uh, yeah, I, I, I dis, what is it? Exclude. Um, Yeah. I guess I exclude Jamison Tyone for park factor and I exclude Adam Wainwright for age factor. And I'm left with Noah Syndergaard. 
But what I will say is it's kind of unfair to blame the occasional wind game. It's not like the wind is blowing out all the time. Sometimes the wind is blowing in, and especially at Wrigley Field. It's a bandbox. Regardless, night game, it Wrigley Field is a bandbox. Arm, where are you at? Bueno. I mean, Wayno over the last three seasons has been better than, you know, what, what Syndergaard was last year, which I think was, was already kind of a bounce back for him. Um, you know, I think what Syndergaard has working in his favor is they're probably only going to ask him to throw five innings. He'll be on a short leash. He'll be put in positions to succeed. Whereas, you know, Wayno, they're, they're going to try to stretch him out, you know, seven, eight innings, right? He's always going to try to go deep in the games, but Wayno like ran out of gas last year. Uh, was dealing with an injury. He talked about it. Like we, we've talked about it on the podcast, how transparent he was, how cool it was to see him break down his own struggles. Even with the blow up at the end of the year, 371 ERA. Year before that, 305. Year before that, 315. I, I think he's going to be in the mid threes this year. And I'm willing to bet that Cindergard doesn't top that. I think Tyone's good, man. I just think Tyone's perpetually going to be a 3-9 to 4-0 guy. And I just think Wayno's going to find a way to be better than that. If it, if age didn't catch him at 40, and if he's still able to get outs throwing the velo that he throws, I don't think he's going to throw any slower next year. I think he's still going to be able to get outs the same way he always does. Uh, so I, I, I will always bet on Wayno until he decides to hang it up. So I do agree with both of you, but the reason I really ask this question is I want us to take a good hard look at the Cardinals rotation because this is the question and it made us think. And Jack had a different answer from Adam Wainwright, who is leading the Cardinals rotation in 2023. This Cardinals rotation needs work. I wrote about it in my article when I took the under on 89 and a half wins for the Cardinals. Starting pitching in the regular season, the Cardinals need it and they don't have it right now. But I agree with Jack, actually. I'm going to go with Noah Syndergaard, and it's kind of the reason that Arms said that he liked Wainwright in that way because I think the Cardinals will stretch out Adam Wainwright. So how good is he in the seventh inning? How good is he in the sixth inning? While he is, I think, the safest bet, what I think the Dodgers are going to do is get their best four or five innings out of Syndergaard, and it might be one run, two run, but they ain't letting him go. That's the thing. So I think they're just going to get the single best four or five innings out of Syndergaard but if Syndergaard had the same workload that Adam Wainwright did, I would go Adam Wainwright. But the workload is where I lean towards Syndergaard because Syndergaard did so, so show some promise at the end there. Yeah. Um, and he showed a little bit more velo than 91 to 92. So I'm going to go with Syndergaard, but I understand what Arm's saying. But kind of because of the length that Wainwright's going to have, I'm going to go Syndergaard. Jack. That cardinal rotation, I just looked at it again. And yeah, obviously I can, you know, run through it in my head, but seeing it on roster resource is like fire. I mean, this is a team that wants to win the World Series and they're running Mm -hmm. out Wainwright, Michaelis, Montgomery, Flaherty and Mats. The last two, you've got no clue what you're going to get. And then if those guys hit the fan, then you're relying on Matthew Liberatore, who flat out like stunk this year. And Connor Thomas, who is a 5'10 lefty that throws 90. I really like Dakota Hudson. But he's a 5'10 lefty that throws 90. So I they need to get better. I'm with you. They before before we go to the next one, can I take you Adam Wainwright ERA by month? And I'm not even trying to make an argument here. It's just this is really interesting. Um, and and it can subtly make my argument at the same time. (laughs) Um so March, April, 4.00 ERA, May, 1.69, June. 366, July 390, August 2.50, then September and October 7.22. 
So this guy just really, like, I really think that the struggles in that final month inflated him, you know, ERA wise. Very interested to see how he bounces back from that. He ID'd the problem. It's one thing to ID it. It's another thing to actually be able to, you know, put it in action. So hopefully he can do that because I love watching old dudes dominate still in in any facet of the game, like we saw Pujols last year. So even with with my pick aside, I love just seeing old dudes shove. Jamie Moyer used to kill the Marlins at like 45 years old. And it was pretty fun to watch. Arm's a huge fan of like the turn back the clock. Oh yeah. Vintage Adam Wainwright. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He's a huge fan of those cliches. Yep. Jack, this next one also goes to you. (laughs) um, And it's, it's very similar to Houston Astros question, but it's a different question. So the San Diego Padres open up on March 30th. Uh, They have a four game series against the Rockies. A combination of Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove are pitching the first three. Yeah. Who's throwing game four? Um, Nick Martinez, right? Is he what, throwing game four? What are the other options here? Didn't Seth they just Lugo. sign Seth Lugo? Yeah. <laughs> Who's yeah, he's throwing a game now. four? Is it Nick Martinez? It's Nick Martinez. Hey, I, I think it has to be. And that's a big problem. Much like the Cardinals conversation, right? The San Diego Padres... They want to win the freaking World Series. You got Soto Machado Tatis is going to come back. You got the icon of Trent Grisham in that lineup. You got Austin Nola, um, not to mention Cronenworth and Hassan Kim and all that jazz. But, I mean, it, it's it's Nick Martinez, and that's a problem, like a real problem. You've got Hayter and Robert Suarez at the back end of the bullpen, but, I mean, relying on Seth Lugo, who has been a bullpen guy that, only makes headlines because he's got like a 3000 RPM curveball that, you know, doesn't look that cool. It just happens to go on pitching ninja. And you're like, wow, that's what 3000 RPMs looks like. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just a very top heavy team. The lineup is incredibly top heavy. The rotation is incredibly top heavy, but yeah, I will say Nick Martinez. Arm. Nick Martinez is a starter last year. 4-3-0 ERA as a reliever, 2-6-7 ERA, nearly identical. Great as a reliever. Great yeah. as a reliever. 52 innings as a starter, 54 innings as a reliever. Um, I think it's Nick Martinez as well. You know, that's it's a guy that they were you know more familiar with and I think got paid a little bit more than Lugo. I think it's very fascinating that the Padres plan to have, you know, 40% is that the right math 40% of their rotation uh be taken up by guys that are trying to make the full transition from the bullpen I, I think that is pretty wild um but I think they're going to go with the guy that's already a little bit further along in that transition at the four spot so yeah I agree it's Nick Martinez and I don't think it should really be Nick Martinez and that's nothing against him he's a good arm uh but when you also have Seth Lugo there in the fold I, I don't know what they're doing I don't know what they're doing either and I was curious if you guys had any other ideas or make a trade prospects to yeah. come up or dude prospects for them. Um, I was, I was going to jokingly say drew Pomerantz. That guy hasn't pitched in like three years. Yeah. I, didn't they just grab Anderson Espinosa again? <laughs> Did I they, they signed I, him to a minor league free? Agent can they get though. Mackenzie Gore back? Is that, something <laughs> can, that they, can they, can they get him back? Yeah, yeah. dude. I, I don't know. Uh, Mora Hone, Brent Honeywell. Hone, I forgot about Jay Brent Groom. Honeywell. They signed Brent Honeywell. Yeah. They signed Brent Honeywell. <laughs> oh, Ryan Weathers. Ryan Jay Weathers. Grooms? 
The player formerly known as Jason Groom, first round pick of the Red Sox that just didn't turn into anything that just happens to be on the cusp of the big leagues. They do have Anderson Espinosa. They've got my favorite knuckleballer, (gasps) Matt Waldron, waiting in the wings. They have Julio Tehran. Oh, that's awesome. This This team is very... They have a really funny collection of arms here. And then they have knuckleball extraordinaire Matt Waldron. So Julio Tehran feels very Vince Velasquez. Very Vince Velasquez. Chi-Chi. Feels pretty Chi-Chi. Feels pretty Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Just Jay Groom, Brent Honeywell, (laughs) Brian Weathers, Julio Tehran, Matt Waldron, Reese Nair, who is one of the worst pitchers in the minors. This is a really fun group, and I'm looking forward to seeing who kind of slides in there uh, to to potentially round out that rotation. But can we judge Ryan Weathers yet? Because I don't even think... He's 24 yet, is he? He's 23, just turned 23, and debuted two years ago. And also was like really bad in AAA (laughs) last year, by the way. A 6.73 ERA in AAA last year. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what happened to Ryan. Regardless of environment, that's just bad. I think the questions are off to a great start. Yes. yeah, They're off to a great start. We're doing great. Aram, next question for you. How many qualified hitters finish the season with a batting average above 330? Oh. So last year, Jeff McNeil, 326. 2021, I don't have it in front of me, but no one hit that. 2020, I'm not counting. No. 2019, Tim Anderson at 335. So it's been done. We know it can be done. Batting titles used to be 360. Now they're 315 if we're lucky. Banning of the shift. Does anyone hit above 330 next year? It's hmm. a great question. I'm full of them. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say two. Hmm. Joey Wendell. Trey Joey Turner Wendell. and Luis Arise. <laughs> I think McNeil, dude. I, I think McNeil does it. I, this guy is such a freaking good hitter. Um, and, and he's somebody that that – Puts it on the ground, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And I think he's going to, he, he's going to see a slight tick up. I think when it comes to the shift, that's a guy that'll, that'll actually benefit from it. I think more than, than some others. Um, I, yeah, I like McNeil to do it. And then I think TA could have done it, right? He was just hurt the whole year. There's, there's a chance that he's always a threat to do it. I, and, and I think Stephen Kwan could kind of take that next step. I'm very curious to see what he does. So I think there's enough candidates that can do it. Trey Turner being one as well. Um, I, I think I think two do it this year. Jack? I'm going to say one, and it's one of Trey Turner, Jeff McNeil, or Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is a guy that is often contending for a batting title that I feel like nobody puts in the breath of batting title contenders because his game is so well-rounded, right? Like Freddie was 21 homers, 100 RBIs. Oh, he's a run producer, right? Now, Freddie Freeman's a two-hitter that can win a batting title. 325 this past year. I mean, I'm just pulling up the year-by-year for Freddie in the batting average department right now. Working backwards, 325, 300, 341 when he won that shortened MVP, but that was in 60 games. 295, 309, 307, 302. He's a career 298 hitter. So I, I think there is a good chance that... Freddie sacrifices a little bit of that gap to gap power and just goes to to slap the ball all over the ballpark. You're and also forgetting Joey Manessis, 
who hit yeah. 324 in 56 games. Yeah, naturally, Joey Manessis is <laughs> going to be excellent. Um, I would have shouted out Andrew Benintendi, whose power is entirely gone, but he may be that kind of guy. But no, Benintendi is not going to do it. So I'd say Freeman, Turner, or... Um, Jonathan Daza. Daza would be another it's good real pick. one. Rymel Tapia with the banning of the pick or with the banning. Of the <laughs> yeah. Shift, he's he, right? Rymel Tapia is about to be an MVP candidate with the banning of the shift, the way some people are, are hyping up this thing. Yeah. So I, and I think TA can do it, but I think it's going to be one and I think it's going to be Freddie Freeman. Yeah. I had two answers. Um, Luisa rise and Jeff McNeil. So aren't you guys all name them one more sleeper to consider? I think there's a 330 batting average in Wander's bat. I do. Mm-hmm. I think there is a 330 batting average in his bat somewhere. Will we see it next year? I hope we do. All right. Next question. Uh, this one is again for Aram. Who has more total home runs and stolen bases in 2023? Trey Turner or Bobby Wood Jr.? So last year, Bobby Wood Jr. had 20 bombs, 30 bags. Trey Turner had 21 home runs, 27 bags. Who has more? So Bobby Wood Jr. won last year. Does he win again in 2023? Yes, um, he does. Uh, looking at Bobby Witt, you know, 30 bags last year. And, and I expect him to get on base at you know, better than a 294 clip. When he was on base, he ran. He went. He went for it, right? Like he was really aggressive on the base paths. He's going to have more opportunities to do so because I think he's going to get on base at better than a 294 clip. On top of that, he's going to hit more than 20 home runs, right? And this is somebody, when you look at how much Bobby Witt can impact the baseball, he's got 30 home run power with ease. It's really about the hit tool for him. Um, I I think he could, he could go 30, 30 next year. I really do. Um, And, and Trey Turner, look, I think he could, he could be right there. But I don't know if he's going to really try to steal bases as as much as as he previously did. I don't know if we're ever really going to see him try to push to the forty range anymore. He might squeeze out a few more home runs now, and you know, being in Philadelphia. But even if that ticks up, I think the stolen bases are just going to pile up for Bobby Witt. I think he's going to be in the forty range next year. So, I think Bobby Witt, and I think by actually a pretty good margin. Jack, stolen base king, home runs and stolen bases combined. King. Bobby Wood Jr. versus Trey Turner. Um, Bobby Witt. I, I think that Turner, and that's really hard because Turner was was twenty one and twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Like Trey, yeah, you could say you know he could he could slow down a little bit. Twenty seven bags is twenty seven bags. Um, yeah, I I think Witt. I mean, and we just talked about it earlier this this off season. I think Aram and I just talked about it two weeks ago, right after Christmas. Bobby Witt had an underwhelming rookie season by everybody's standards, and he was still a 2030 guy. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is a greater likelihood that Witt is 30-30 than Trey Turner is 25-25, to be totally mm-hmm. honest. I totally agree with both of you. It The question sounds close, or even Turner just off. The, you're like, well, Trey Turner, obviously. But I almost think it's not even close towards yeah. Bobby Wood Jr. Nope. And yeah. Arm, I was waiting for you to make the point about the on-base percentage, 294. If he get this, gets that up to 330, I mean, he could be a 40-stolen base guy even yep. if he doesn't hit a single more home run than 20. Trey yep. Turner, on the other hand, I don't expect those numbers to come up. I expect him to be around. Like, he could be 25 and 30, 
Bobby Wood Jr. could be 25 and 40. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good Bobby Wood Jr. could be, regardless of the defense and the batting average, which Trey yeah. Turner will have more. And think about think about the two tools that we're talking about, right? Trey Turner is the better player next year than Bobby Witt Jr. because the hit tool is so freaking good. But the two tools that we're talking about when it comes to home runs and stolen bases, spoiler alert, home runs is power, stolen bases is speed. Bobby Witt has more power than Trey Turner, and you could argue by sprint speed that Bobby Witt is faster than Trey Turner. So those are the two stats we're talking about. Next question, Jack. In 2023... Who has a higher F4, Miguel Vargas on the Los Angeles Dodgers or Cabrian Hayes on the Pittsburgh Pirates? Wow. Wow, dude. I'm bringing heat today. Yoan Moncada, the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I will go with Cabrian Hayes because I think this guy just consistently, whatever metric you look at, is going to grade out as one of, if not the best defensive third baseman in the game. And I know Arm is going to echo these sentiments, but I think Brian Hayes is due for a big breakout offensively. Big, big breakout. Um, and, and it's taken a couple of years. That's the other thing. Miguel Vargas has to deal with big league pitching across a full season for the first time in his life. Brian Hayes has been up now for about two and a half years. He made his debut in 2020, right? So he's got almost the entirety of 2021, the entirety of 2022. And I think Hayes is comfortable with his approach offensively. I think there's going to be some growing pains for Miguel Vargas as he gets his first crack at the big leagues. And the other thing is, Brian Hayes is going to get the opportunity to play every day. Yeah. I don't know if Miguel Vargas is going to get the opportunity to play every day, which is criminal. He's ready and he's deserving, and he's going to be better than at least one guy in the Dodger lineup every night. But... That's not how the Dodgers work. That's not how the situation works. Brian gets the keys to the Camaro every night. Miguel Vargas needs to work up. Um, yeah. I mean, I I love Miguel Vargas. We just published uh, top top Dodgers prospects, and he's number three. I think he's really, really good. Um, but Brian is just such a safe answer because even with an 88 WRC plus last year, he was a three win guy because of how elite his defense is. And I think the bats, you know, to, like Jack said and alluded to, I think the bats going to going to tick up. This guy's 88.5% zone contact, which is darn near elite. He hits yeah. the ball hard. 106.8 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit below is, is near elite as well. His problem is he always sits it in the freaking ground. I know Brian Hayes is aware of this, and I have a feeling he's been working hard this offseason to get the ball in the air a bit more. He doesn't even need to. He could still have a high ground ball rate. Look at Michael Harris. It just needs to be a reasonable ground ball rate, and he needs to hit more line drives. I think he's going to do it. Even if he's a 100 WRC plus guy, he'll be a five-win player next year potentially. So I think Brian Hayes not only will will outpace Miguel Vargas, I'm glad you mentioned Brian Hayes because he's one of my favorite breakout guys for next year. Damn. I was just looking at Cabrian Hayes' stats, and Arm, you're right. He does hit the crap out of the ball, but everything is on the ground. And I just thought to myself, is this guy truly going to make the breakout and be that type of hitter? Because I saw three war with that defense, and I thought to myself, well, the potential of Miguel Vargas's bat, and as we are sitting here today, it doesn't seem that Miguel Vargas has a spot right now, if you consider Max Muncy at third. If you consider Gavin Lux at second and Miguel Rojas at short, but somebody does need to play DH and that could be Muncie leaving Miguel Vargas to play third every day. 
So I really wanted to talk about that. How much run is Miguel Vargas going to have? Because I do think with how good Vargas's bat is, because let's not pretend that he's some crap defender. Like he can play in the infield and he can also play all over. So I was thinking that um, Jack's pointing directly at me that if Miguel Vargas gets full run this season, he could put up a three and a half win season. Jack, somebody's got a. You said somebody's got a DH. JD Martinez is the DH. They just signed him to do it. There you go. So there's a spot that's clogged. There's a spot. I think that's I clogged. think he can be a three one player. I I really it's more about the breakout for Cabrian. He's one of my favorite breakout guys. Okay. Well, we decided Miguel Vargas have fun in the minor leagues. Just kidding. I really <laughs> want to see him. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question back to Aram. Who puts up a higher F war next year? Corbin Carroll or Brandon Nimmo? Um, <laughs> Brandon Nimmo put up a five and a half F war last year. Damn. And Corbin Carroll put up 1.4 F war in 32 games. Damn. So if you factor that out over 150 games, that's six and a half war. Fuck. Arm Layton, Corbin Carroll, Brandon Nimmo next year. This might be the toughest one yet. They're all amazing. Motherfucker's going to say Carol. Who knows? Prospect guy's going to say Carol. Of course he is. <laughs> and I want Jack to say Nimmo. <laughs> um, you know, did you just call me a prospect guy? Excuse me, prospect boy, baseball guy, prospect <laughs> boy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like barnacle you're more boy. Insulting. Um, I'm mermaid man. You're barnacle boy, bitch. No, I understand <laughs> it. No, it, well, okay. I've I have a few things. Let me let me kind of break it down here contract year Nimmo was a much more locked in Nimmo in center field right this was a guy that was you know locked in on every play and I emphasize this a lot on the podcast where focus in the outfield we've talked about it with the Castellanos example um, but focus in the outfield makes a huge difference and players won't admit it usually on air as much even though now they're starting to a little bit Uh, but you know I've talked to guys in the minors that like they fully zone out. I mean, I, I was just I was joking about it with Griffin. He wouldn't even care if I mentioned this. But Griffin had a low light that was on John Blaine Media, Griffin Conine, where it was like really dog days of the season, man. And like he had just gotten hurt too. And he's playing through his shoulder injury and whatever. And he catches a second out of the game and just flips it straight into the stands. And, you know, it's just like little things like that where you're just in the dog days of the season where – you know, when you're playing for a contract, you're going to be locked in on every play because you know the difference. Um, Nimmo got the contract. And I'm not saying Nimmo's going to be a slouch next year, but we're talking about a small difference here, half a win, which could be the difference between him and Carroll. Carroll can impact the game in more ways. And, and you know, F4 is a very complicated, uh, you know, algorithm, I guess, for lack of a better word, or however they put it together here. But Carroll is going to play a little bit of everywhere. I don't think he's going to exclusively play center. So I think he's going to play elite, elite defense in a corner. If he does play center, I still think he's going to play well there. Um, I think he offers more power than Nimmo. And I think he's going to be able to impact the game in more ways. I'm going to go, and it's it's out on a limb, but I'm going to go Corbin Carroll, as, as Jack predicted. Uh, because I, I think Nimmo is going to be closer to his four, four and a half win average, uh, which is what he's been, you know, if you average it every season out. And I think Carroll is going to be right there, too. I'm going to bet on Carroll playing more games as well because Nimmo has struggled to stay healthy. And, and I think Carroll's going to be playing balls to the wall like a 22-year-old rookie all year long. So um, not the safe answer, but I'm going to go Corbin Carroll. So, Jack, before you answer, I really wanted to – I wanted Arm to pinpoint what he thinks Corbin Carroll's war is going to be next year. And then a follow-up question of that would be which bank should we use to go – 
put the money on him to win rookie of the year? <laughs> and why are we now not betting on Ezekiel Tovar? Because if we have a five and a half win player in Corbin Carroll, that's J-Rod. That is one of the best players in Correct. the sport. Correct. And like he was on pace. I know it's such a small sample, 32 games. No, but it, it's worth noting what, you, what he was on pace for. Is he was it? on pace. And that's 150 games. That's not 160 games. 150 games, six and a half war player. That Mookie Betts had a 6.6 war last year. And for yeah. those who have no idea what war is, just think of it as who's the best? Who do you think is going to be better next year? If you were Carol to power rank the best players in 2022, like just look at the war leaderboards and that is the power ranking. There's there's yeah, never going to be not, some phony random in there. Yeah, it's not everything, but it's a good where it's a good place to start. Um, so we're betting on Corbin Carroll to win the rookie of the year. Tovar out. Sorry, maybe Dark Horse. But, I mean, what are you talking about here? If Tovar has a great season, puts up four war, but Carroll is like Mookie Betts, what are we talking about? Um, I'm with you. And and here's the thing. The last thing I'll say on this is even if he's going through the ebbs and flows of a season as a rookie, you know, just in terms of, of offensive consistency, Speed he's going to continue to play good defense. He's going to get on base. He's always been a guy who walks a lot. He's going to steal bags. He's going to do so many things. So, um. I, I think it's going to be him in the high fours, and I think it's going to Nimmo's going to be more in the low fours, and and that's going to be the difference there. So we have to uh, redo our center field rankings, don't we, Jack? <laughs> no, uh, I. What I do you remember when um, Correa went like dumb viral for um, you know the the tangent that he went on on TBS during the postseason? It was like, hey, what do players look at? you know, when they go into like arbitration hearings and free agency. And he was talking about WRC plus and Woba. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great point that Correa made in there. And it was walking is so, so valuable for a player because Arm just mentioned it. Like Carol has always been a guy who walks a lot. You've got that rookie year month long slump instead of an 0 for 20 stretch where he hasn't gotten on base in 20 at bats or 20 plate appearances that 0 for 20 stretch at the plate has eight walks in it. So he's still getting on base. So the, the OPS is fine. The on-base percentage is fine. The WRC plus is, is going to be fine. Um, My devil's advocate is if Brandon Nimmo stays on the field, he's a five win player. He has played a complete season once or twice. He's played over 100 games twice, played 151 games this past year. He was a 5.4 win guy in 2018. He played 140 games and he was a 4.8 win guy. So if he's on the field, he's five wins. I think that safe like bedrock for Nimmo kind of hedges the volatility of Carroll because he could be a seven-win guy, but he could also be a four-win guy. Versus Nimmo, he could be a four-and-a-half-win guy. He could be a five-and-a-half-win guy. But at the same time... If he plays. If he plays, that's a thing. So, tell you what, I'll side with Carroll because Nimmo has not proven in his career that he can play back-to-back full seasons. It's a clean sweep, gentlemen. I'm with Carroll, too. That's why, like, when we... Do our top tens. That's why I'm so excited to continue talking about this because, like, we came up with our lists. And, like, when it really gets down to it, who would you rather have? And I'd side with Carol because Carol can do so many different things. If you are unaware about Corbin Carroll, the Diamondbacks' new center fielder or corner outfielder, wherever they want to put him, he's going to be elite. Go on YouTube, 
search Corbin Carroll highlights and just watch the short little highlights from 32 games. And what you will see is some of the best speed in the game. He can hit a ball 470 feet. He can get in altitude. altitude. 470 in altitude. All right, 450. He can arm. What's his arm like? He's got a good arm. He's got a good arm. He's about as five tools you'll find. He's not 6'5 like J-Rod, but he still has all of those tools. Last question. And Arm, I've asked you for. So this last one is for Jack McMullen. And Arm, you're also kind of a hater of this team, as I have been said, even though that doesn't make any sense because I have no bias ever. Jack, who throws the most innings for the Red Sox in 2023? (laughs) Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, Garrett Whitlock, Corey Kluber, James Paxton, or the field? Um, The field meaning like somebody else. That Anyone else. Trade. They trade for someone. They pick someone up. This is so fucking sad. <laughs> I know. Corey Kluber. Yeah. Like so, so stupidly sad. And I think it's going to be like 150 innings. I think that's the max we're going to get from a Red Sox pitcher. I think there's a clear answer here. Arm, what's your answer? The field. No, I, I think a guy that's going to sneakily pitch some innings this year is Brian Mata. Uh, Brian Mata's. You in... think he's 130 innings and he beats? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying though, he will throw some innings this year. Um, it's, Sale. it's got to be, it's got to be Chris Sale. Um, he had a fluky injury, you know, last year at the end with with the finger. Um, you know, getting that comeback or that broke his finger. That wasn't like an arm issue or whatever. And he was looking good. He's had a lot of time off, but I'm just looking at this team here and I'm like, that has got to be the guy. But at the same time, Nick Pavetta is going to kind of be that guy that I think is going to go out. Because Peter didn't say it, whether the innings would be good. It, it, and innings. so I'm, I'm looking at Pavetta as like, as Jack always calls it, like the sacrificial lamb. Pavetta might be that. I I think it's going to be Nick Pavetta. I think he threw 180 last year. I think he's going to do it again, that's, and I think he's going to have a four six. Like that's, that's the clear answer. Yeah, Nick, Nick Pavetta. Pavetta might throw two hundred. Merrill Kelly threw two hundred innings last year. Nick Pavetta might throw two hundred and forty innings. How many did Corbin throw last year? Patrick Corbin. Yeah, it's not a Patrick Corbin situation, but like, it's not. It might be close. Nick Pavetta is better than that. He's he a five oh two career ERA. Pavetta? Pavetta does. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Corbin through 152.2. <laughs> I could see Pavetta around there. I could see Pavetta at like Pavetta threw 180 last year and their their rotations thinner. I what think. was Pavetta's ERA? Four, five, six. <laughs> it counts up. That's kind best of season of his career. Ah, second best. He had a four, five, three the year before. That was his best. Yeah, but they have two Canadians in the rotation, if I'm not mistaken, and Pavetta and Paxton. Also, I'm not. I'm a Red Sox fan, by the way. I'm not. I'm not a Red Sox hater. Why am I forgetting who is their uh, righty who came up from the minors? He Bayo. actually is Brian Bayo. Brian Bayo. Could he? He could be. Uh, that's not a bad answer, to be honest. Um, but is he an those are the five. Or is those are the five. Those are the five on roster resource, and they're not going to run him into the ground. Like I, I think they're going to try to keep him at, at one fifty. Pavetta's going to beat one fifty. He is going to go out there and just. Throw. be so mediocre <laughs> yeah. and right. just do it i i've got a i've got a celeb question okay. how many plate appearances does david hamilton get for the boston red sox 400 
David Hamm. <laughs> David I mean, Hamilton. they added him to the 40 man instead of Thad Ward, who could have arguably been their five. Um, David Hamilton, who is legitimately like just fast. That's what he does. He's fast. And he took the 40 man spot over the dude. Thad Ward was such a surprise to be left off the 40 man that it was the first ever leaked rule five draft pick. Like the Nationals pick was leaked before the, the Rule Five draft even happened. Like they, they, it already like was tweeted out. The Nationals plan to select Thad Ward because the Nationals were like, "Holy shit, we can get Thad Ward!" Like I, I couldn't believe they left that guy out. So if you're gonna leave Thad Ward available in the Rule Five, be, in in favor of Hamilton, I'd assume he's gonna play a good bit. I, I'm gonna put it at realistically like 250 plate appearances. Okay, that's a lot of plate appearances. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they all right, gentlemen. Those are the questions. All of them were amazing. Kudos to me again. Anything else before we say goodbye? It's the end of the week. I got my just baseball hat on. So does Jack. Get yours in the episode description. Any any news? Orioles outrighted uh, Ryan O'Hearn. Oh, did you guys talk about was picked up and 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 DFA'd again? Um, Yeah, that's about it. I don't think any other news. I think we're good. Yeah. Well, Jack, we never heard your thoughts on uh, Miguel Rojas for uh, Jacob Oh, yeah. What do you think of the Miguel Rojas trade? Miguel Rojas for Jacob Amaya? Yeah. 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 So, Jacob Amaya, I've... I think he had a 92 WRC plus in AAA last year. I know a lot of I know a lot of minor league baseball players. Like I've seen the name of so many minor league baseball players, especially like high-level minor league baseball players, like AAA, AA guys. I've seen probably 80 to 85% of those names that exist at the AA and AAA level. Never seen Jacob Amaya before. <laughs> but prospects to watch, Arm. Yes, it's it, it was a Kim Ang masterclass <laughs> move right there. Don't let Kim cook. She's about to cook, dude. She's Kim about to cook. hard. Do you think Pablo goes to Minnesota? Uh, I think that's the most likely. I do. Okay. I think that's the best trade partner for Pablo. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully they make a move. Damn. Make sure to download prize picks if you want to follow the season long predictions. Um, that is in the episode description. Use code just baseball or code just gridiron. You get a full 100% deposit match. Peter's got Brock Purdy winning the Super Bowl. I do have Brock Purdy winning the Super Bowl. I have the San Francisco 49ers taking down the Buffalo Bills. Not only has a rookie quarterback never made the Super Bowl. Never won the Super Bowl. That makes sense. Actually, I think Brady and Warner made the Super Bowl maybe as rookies, but they've never won it. Gotcha. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. What a story that would be to take down Josh Allen and the Bills. Have you seen the 49ers defense? Colby and I, we just did our NFL best bets for wild card weekend. If you are in, you want to get some picks, maybe fade us. I wouldn't, but you could. Those are available on Not Gambling Advice. Dodgers top 10 prospects is up at JustBaseball.com. Arm has been slaving away at that, and I read the list. It is freaking awesome. Go check it out. And with that, thank you, everybody.